Hi, this is Peter Purcell. And Bill Imany. Uh, we're back on our Jog On uh, podcast series, and today we wanted to dive a little deeper on a topic we covered in our last uh Podcast. Yeah, last podcast we talked about cost reduction and how different companies respond when they start seeing, I'll call it the uh, cliff coming, where they know they are going to have to cut costs to meet either stockholder or board member or owner expectations. We gave some examples, we talked through some of them, and then we ended up wrapped up with a discussion, a quick discussion around how to actually um, address and be proactive and address cost-cutting efforts and do it the right way. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so Bill, in the last uh, uh, podcast, you talked about top-down, bottom-up, and, and we started to get into that a hair. Why don't you start with you know, top-down? What does that really mean? Because most people would say, oh, yeah, top-down's easy. Cut 15%. Well, yeah, and, and here's the deal. Most com- here's the problem. Most companies, when they have to go through a cost-cutting effort, they do exactly what you just described. They Say, okay, well, I'm going to just tell everybody that um, for the budget for next year, we're going to cut 5% out of everybody's budget just across the board. And we all know if you don't figure out where that's coming from, where the money's going to come from, or why you're doing it, or what are we cutting back on, um, those costs end up creeping back in, and those aren't real cost reductions. So your question was, what do we mean by top-down? Because what we're advocating is a combined top-down, bottoms-up approach for addressing costs in the organization. So to start with tops down, because you were kind of asking that, right? Yeah, so so I guess um, I'm kind of reading between the lines, but top down isn't just let's go revisit our strategy and tell everybody to cut costs, but maybe it's more about what do we do for the back office type functions, maybe? Well, it's really starting off with the, looking at the company's strategy and then looking at, okay, what what's sacred to our organization? What's important? What are the things that we hold true to? What do we believe in? And let's, let's say, for example, you're a retail store and you believe in high-quality stores. Well, you're not going to go cut back on merchandising and that type of thing. So, okay, I, I got that. So if you're an oil field services uh, company, um, you know, you could say, hey, we want to make sure that we focus on profitable lines of business. Or high-quality fleet. Or high-quality so fleet. So we're not going to go buy cheap equipment, right? Right, exactly. So what you may do is, is you may want to retire stuff. So it goes beyond just cutting people. It, well, it, focusing on what assets you want to focus on. So, for example, if you're a large drilling company and you own um, and you're focused on having high-spec rigs, deep water rigs, you may look and say part of our cost-cutting effort is to um, divest of our shallow water, low-spec rigs. So that might be another example um, a, a, from a strategy perspective. But then it also goes into um, what are the things that we do well for our customers. So perhaps it's high, it's a high customer touch. Well, anything that has a high customer touch, we're not going to want to um, cut back on. So once you've figured out what those things are that are important to the organization, then you say, okay, everything else is fair game. Is fair game. Right. So that's where you were going into the back office question of, and in a lot of cases, the back office is where the costs are, are lurking and where the opportunities are. Right. And so once you set the strategy, once you figure out what's important to you, then you go about and you focus in on getting rid of everything else. Would you also... Well, I mean, that's rather draconian, oh, getting rid of everything, everything else. else. Oh, come on, Peter. Yeah, um, <laughs> the, the reality is, is really challenging the work that's being done in the, I'll call it, less strategic areas of the company. So, for example, 
looking at support within the organization, look at field support. And let's say you have a centralized field support group, but you also have local support um, in supporting operations. Well, are there opportunities there to actually rationalize what the two groups are doing and find a way to combine it and maybe cut one of them or cut one of them in half? Those are the things I'm talking about. No, I got you. I got you. I was just joking. But the uh, this is the, not a laughing matter, Peter. Okay. Well, if you don't laugh at this, you can't laugh at anything. I know. I'm giving but, you a hard time. I know. But the bottom line is it sounds like, um, you know, the asset stuff doesn't sound so scary, right? It doesn't sound quite so over, overwhelming. What about the organization? I mean, you just talked about rationalizing organizations and and stuff like that. How do people go about doing that? quickly and effectively. Well, here's here's the problem that, that we, we have today. Um, we have this middle management problem in most companies where very heavy middle management, uh, middle management, maybe they've been around a long time, maybe they're in the uh, baby boomer generation, and they're holding on to a lot of old processes. And then there's some, I'll call the millennials or the younger people, Generation Z moving in, who want to advance in those positions, but they're being held back. And so you have a generational gap there. And then you move up to the top of the organization. So this, there, there needs to be a tie back from this tops down down to the bottom of the organization to really uh, understand what what needs to take place. So when we talk about organization, it's really rationalizing the layers in the organization. I know it sounds like you've heard it all before. We need to flatten the organization, but really taking a hard look at: Do I have people out there who have one or two people reporting to them? Do I have people out there have too many people reporting to them? So really rationalizing the reporting relationships in the span of control. And, and in one of our articles, we talked about how to rationalize, the, the, I'll call it the vice president level, and putting some, what level of fiduciary responsibility do they have? What level of risk control do they have? What level of, of um, decision-making do they have, strategic decision-making do they have in the company? And really looking at that and rationalizing those roles invariably what you'll find in most organizations they've got too many of these vice presidents who are really just middle managers who've been around the organization a long time and they just got promoted to keep them around well so that baits a question of taking a look at processes right i mean what i'm what i'm hearing is um, it sounds like you're going to have to get your processes straight and understand uh, who's responsible who's accountable you know who should be consulted right you're talking about who should be informed accountability matrix right. right and and that's one way to help determine if you have too many people accountable or too many people responsible in a, in a duplicate form wh- why do you have them all right and that's what happens at the VP level well and here's the uh, the, the uh, source of all the problems is when a company decides to have a matrix organization and we all know matrix organizations are not straightforward, they're complex, and there's this dual accountability. For example, I might have a uh, someone who's a country manager <clears throat> who reports to a, I'll call it a, uh, a hemisphere manager, who then also reports to a operations um, chief operating officer, too. So there's this dual reporting relationship that a lot of companies have, and they, there's this false sense of security in it. They think that's providing some teamwork, but really it doesn't. It provides conflict and lack of accountability because who's responsible for the country P&L? Is it the chief operating officer or is it the hemisphere vice president? Until you, you straighten out the organization and the structure, and there's a lot of new trends in different types of organizations and everything, but really first thing is get rid of the matrix. That's what we always tell people. Get rid of the matrix as most you can, and if you do that, that's a good first good first step. That's awesome. 
So once you get, uh, once you kind of get the strategy in place, you've taken a hard look at your assets, um, you've, you've attacked processes, which we sort of discussed briefly, and then reorganized, right, and, and right-size your organization structure, are you done? No, you're not done. I mean, so what we just talked about here was kind of the top-down top approach. Figure out what's important and hold that aside. What's, everything else is up for grabs. Take a look at the organization's structure, roles, responsibilities, as you alluded to, the accountability, get rid of the matrix. Then that's the tops down side of it. Then it okay, doesn't which, stop there. by the way, I'm going to pause for a second here. We typically find or well, I If you pause, found, then nobody will hear anything. <laughs> but <laughs> That's true. But based on my experience, um, and I'm one of those boomers, right, uh, most consulting firms... Sorry to firms, offend you, uh, it's, it's, sir. It's actually a compliment. Yes, sir. Um, but most consulting firms that I have worked for in the past, they'd stop there. That's that's why I say, are you done? So what's next? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Peter. And uh, I, I do that's, respect That's the them. leading question, Very right? respectful to you, your okay. baby boomerness. Um, but going back to that, that that's the top tops downside we talked about real and that's where a lot of organizations do stop you're right and the the next piece of this is the bottoms up and that can actually happen at the same time and really understanding grassroots what's what's needed to run the organization what's necessary to make things happen and that's where executives lose a lot of line of sight into what is actually happening out there in my operations that's working well what's not working well where where is corporate getting in the way of getting things done? And I'm not talking about corporate saying, "Oh, you need an approval for something." I'm talking about just them asking for information just to get information to justify jobs. And then what support is is the uh, are the operations getting? So there's a model that we um, prescribe to that really focuses on. And, and we always bring this up. We're working with a company, and we said, "Okay, let's suppose um, you're a restaurant chain. That's an easy example. And you you're going to run a restaurant. What support do you need from the corporate office? So you, that's really asking the grass. What do you really need? And then figuring out, okay, if I just own one restaurant, how many people in the back office would I need? And so let's suppose you said, well, I really need two. But then I have a a 5,000 restaurant chain. So that means I need 10,000 people in the corporate office, but I really have 50,000 in the corporate office. Right. There's a math problem there. A huge and, math problem. And so really understanding what does what do the people out there in the field really need from the corporation to run their operation efficiently and run it better. Right. And and re- reduce their uh, demands. I mean, I, I remember being out at a field service uh, yard and a manager complaining that he spent more time responding to corporate requests for information than actually running his his business. Right, but then on the flip side, the um, they they do need help from the corporation, and so you need to ask them, okay, where are the areas you need the most help, and then how can corporate respond better? And on that note, I'm going to break to our sponsor Evan360, who actually has a solution for that. This episode is sponsored by Evan360, a revolutionary platform where employees can get help requests answered by an expert in minutes without the wait. Traditional ticketing systems and call centers are unpredictable, and it's not unusual for tickets to get lost or forgotten. But with Evan360, employees can access internal and external support experts instantly through one central hub. Evan360 eliminates support delays and improves workplace productivity, employee engagement, and customer satisfaction. To make Evan360 your company's hub for immediate problem solving, visit evan360.com. 
talking about that support model, how is corporate supporting the the operations? Because there are things that operations need answer to questions. Let's say it's a human resources question. There's mm -hmm. a <clears throat> a risk component of that, and they need some expertise from someone for a difficult situation, and they need it now. Um, somebody's got an employee problem they need help with, or there's a, or there, maybe there's a technical problem with the right. systems um, out there. In, or or in the engineer, field. you know, I've got a problem and I need to contact the the right engineer. Yeah, in a so, in a maybe in a more of an industrial company, I have a manufacturing plant, right? right? And I need right. an engineer to help me with right. the product. right. The plant's down middle of the night. How do I get the right engineer to call me back or contact me and get the plant running? Or again? this product order we have doesn't quite fit our configuration, and we need someone to provide some expertise. And I need it now, and we got to get this order out. How 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 are they re responding and supporting them? So really, getting that support model down and rationalizing that, and then so I've I've done that bottoms up. I've gone down out to the field. I've talked to the plants. I've talked to the people in the stores. I've talked to people. In the field, someone on a rig, maybe if it's an oil, oil, uh, oil and gas um, drilling company, talking to someone on the rig, and what do you need? And we've been through this before, where so, sometimes they just say, "Look, I need these three things, and that's it, and I need them now and fast." And, and you go, "Okay, great." Go back to corporate, and we look at all the things they're doing for them, and they're, they're not doing those. They're things. fifty. They're doing two of the two of the three, and they're doing forty other things. So right. let's go back and look at those forty other things that they don't need anymore. That's the other piece of it. But the other thing we saw, and you alluded to this a minute ago, was requests, mm -hmm. corporate asking them for requests. Peter, how many times have you seen corporate calling up a field, asking them a question, and the person in the field has to go into the corporate data warehouse to get the answer for <laughs> right. them? I mean, right. how, all the time. How, how, how ridiculous is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, all, all the time. Or, uh, you know, they get a call and, and they're asked for um, HR information, and then they have to go into the corporate HR system to get it out. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this happens in every organization. Every organization has inefficiencies, and every organization has an opportunity to cut costs. And, and largely, and early on, we were talking about assets, but mm -hmm. the biggest cost in most companies are people. people. Right. And it, it, it sounds rather draconian, but really, a lot of these companies really need to go through, I'll call it a rationalization of their their workforce because they've got to be competitive. And we, we look at companies that are concerned over cost competitiveness and trade wars. Well, here's one way to address it, right? Right. So let's dive a little deeper in, into this people thing. And, and the reason why I bring that up is yeah, I think everybody that listens to us, they get a good handle on assets. All three or four people that listen to us. Yeah, maybe five. Come on. Let's, let's be nice. Or three. You're right. But bottom we're, line we're is... listen to us this long. Yeah, oh, this long. Yeah, okay. exactly. We're, we're at the 15-minute mark. Just to let you guys know we'll be off in five. So... But the bottom line is that when you talk about assets, that feels kind of easy to deal with. And when you talk about processes in today's world, it feels kind of kind of easy. When you even talk about reorganization, I mean the way the way that you describe it and the way we help our clients, you know, it's it's a doable thing. When you start talking about keeping employees happy, it's not about bring your dog to work day. It's not about buying them t-shirts, you know, to say I am, you know, the greatest employee on ping earth pong tables or and, ping yeah. pong tables and pool tables in, in, in buildings. It seems to me that it's, if, if I'm an employee, what would make me the happiest is obviously give me a good job, which we've, you know, everything that we've talked about says we're going to give you as good a job experience as possible. But it, it's that next thing, which is job experience, 
getting help and that kind of thing. What are you seeing in the market today? Well, let's back up for just one second there because you, okay. you said something about the um, – you're talking about the employee experience. There's a couple components to it, right? Right. There's the I'm doing something meaningful. Right. Okay. And by default, most people know whether in a company whether they're doing something meaningful or not. Right. If they're not doing something meaningful, they're probably not happy with their job. And if they're not doing something meaningful, it's probably not adding value to the organization. And so by taking those cost reduction um, steps, you, you're you gonna, got that. You that, take care of that, but you also what you do is you give people everybody has people have meaningful jobs that they realize they're making a difference. Then I think you're alluding into then, okay, now that I've got people doing meaningful stuff. How do I keep them happy at the company? Because a lot of companies can come and say, I can give you meaningful work. I mean, there are stories after stories, or give them an extra dollar an hour and, and they'll move. So if you look at, explain to me what you think or what, what you suggest the other components of the employee experience are, and what are some innovative ways that companies can take advantage of to bolster that piece? Well, I mean, it, that all falls under the category of employee experience, right? And how yeah. do I give people the best experience when they come to work? And there's a couple of components. One is making their life easy from just from a support perspective and getting the support they need. And the other component of it is the cultural component of, am I giving them autonomy to make decisions? Am I giving them the, um, the ability to learn? Okay and explore other opportunities, be it rotational assignments and that type of thing. I think it also goes back to where are people spending their time and what they're doing. And we did a uh, research study not long ago where we asked over about 60 different large companies, we asked people the question of how much time do they spend trying to solve a problem or waiting for someone to answer their problem that they have so they can get back to work. And uh, the variability was high in response. You have people saying they spent a day doing that a week, but the average was three hours a week. So if you look at that and you say, That's hey, annoying. An, an employee spending three hours a week waiting for somebody else to help them with something that if they could just get the right person you know, in front of them to help them, they can get, they can get back to work. Yeah. And so these things, when, when, when the study was done, Bill, what were the components? What were they waiting for? Was it IT help? Was it I just need help from HR answering it a question about benefits? It's... You know, hey, finance, give me an answer for what my P&L was well, last week. I mean, what? Well, Peter, we talked to different people in different industries, right. from healthcare to manufacturing to retail, and people in different jobs, people in right. accounting, sales. It was all over the board. Human resources, a lot of it was human resources, a lot of it was IT, a lot of it was actual kind of company policy general type stuff that they just didn't know who to go to. But there was someone either in HR, finance, IT, or even in supply chain that could answer their question. It might be a wow. policy question. Or it might be an outside contractor that can answer it. So really what they're, they're the, a lot of the company's issues is if I can take those problems, nobody likes to wait. Mm -hmm. Think about it. DMV, what it comes to mind? Wait. Wait, right? wait in I, line. IT help desk, what comes to mind? Wait. Wait, right? Even and, calling HR, wait. Or, you're or, on the phone. Or you're calling your cable guy to come out and do something. To wait. Wait. People hate waiting. So if you can take the wait equation out of people's jobs, so if you take uh, three hours a week out of someone's job where they can actually be more productive and provide a value to the company and maybe take it down to 30 minutes instead of three hours, 
If you're a thousand person organization, that's that's six, a lot that, of money. That, you you could cut a lot of cost if right, you could streamline that. That's millions of dollars to um, back so, to productivity. Okay. So that's just a, another way to do it. And there's applications out there like the our sponsor Evan360 that provides that. And and there's ways to get there and do it pretty quickly and easily. But again, it's the don't forget the culture component mm-hmm. and 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 around the employee experience too. That's important too. Well, thanks, Bill. I mean, it's it's uh, been a great conversation. So we we talked about top down, bottom up. We dove a little bit deep into one of the bottom things, but I think it was very useful. Yeah, to understand it's a combination of top. Don't do one and not the other because right. you can go out and talk to a bunch of people in the field, and you can learn a lot about the organization. And what's interesting is when you do go out and talk to people, they tell you more than you imagine. It becomes very interesting. But uh, having that combined approach and then meeting in the middle, the the real value out of that, though, is the um, employees feel like they've been heard, number one. Number two, this change sticks because you're actually getting real information from the field. You're not just supposing from the ivory tower saying we're going to, we can do X, Y, Z. You're actually getting real information from the field that can be validated against your company and what's important to the organization. Cool. Well, Bill, thanks for your time. And again, thank you for your time, Peter. (laughs) Yeah. Boomer time. Uh, Bottom line is if any of our listeners have a question, you can uh, email Bill at bill at trinity.com or Peter at trinity.com. There you go. Thanks, guys. 